This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome back to another week of the program. A new time slot, obviously, if you're listening to this now, you know it's uh, 2 o'clock. New time slot for Hockey Central on Sports at 960. Uh, we're going to be going Tuesday to Friday as usual, but from 2 to 3 instead of 1 to 2. Welcome to the show again. And I should say um, we're coming out of, what, two hours now of uh, Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon. And Logan's with me now. So I don't know if I should say congratulations or I'm so sorry uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> having okay. a longer show <laughs> and then having to come in and work with me still. So I don't know. How are you feeling? Should I, should I apologize or give you, send you, send you a card? A card would work. I, yeah, I'd take a card. An apology yeah. card. Yeah, but I'm, ex- no, says, I'm always like, excited to, uh, <laughs> to hang out uh, as your producer slash uh, friend on the show. Yeah. My producer slash friend, Logan Gordon. Uh, I was listening to the end of the show because we're friends. And I wanted to support. And I heard that Taylor was sad about um, Ross Stripling leaving. And I sent to the group chat, like, chicken strip, sad face. So I just wanted to bring everyone (laughs) into that moment. Because I was, I saw that today and I was upset too. I think you saw the writing on the wall. I mean, this is a hockey show. We'll get to that in a second. However, that was a big thing. I was like, oh, man. Yesterday when the Jays went and made their sign, I was like, oh, Ross Stripling is gone. So we'll see what the Blue Jays look like this next season. Anyways, this is a hockey show. It is. Calgary Flames lose to the Montreal Canadiens last night, 2-1 to one in a shootout. Um, what did you think of this one, Logan? And we're going to bring Pat Steinberg in for our Tuesday Pat chat. And I think he's, uh, he's in studio there with you. So we'll bring him in shortly. But I want to get your take on, on Calgary last night. It was a uh, hard fought. That's the, the word we keep hearing thrown out there from, from the players, from Daryl Sutter. That's kind of the, the company line. It's a hard fought game. You wish they'd get the second point from that. They, they leave Montreal with one point. Uh, they get two points on that three game road trip that they were on. What did you think last night against Montreal? Yeah, I thought it was a good effort. All things considered when you lose Tanev after just eight minutes of ice time and that terrifying way, no Uyghur, no Lindholm. I, I thought they, put up a good fight again but it's kind of been the story most nights Haley when they put that kind of effort out there especially on the road it just doesn't feel like it translates into a lot of finish and I don't know for 35 shots on goal last night you would have hoped they'd come away with more than one goal and I said this earlier it's not even anything against Montreal I think that they've exceeded some people's expectations but to walk away from the season series against Montreal in two games with just two goals that's kind of disappointing from a flame side of things Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I saw some fans saying, you know, Jake Allen's turning into, you know, a Vesna <laughs> Vesna trophy guy against the Calgary Flames this season. I think he did it a couple of times the last couple of years, too. Like, this is just a thing we've seen from Jake Allen when the Calgary Flames are, are in town or when he's in Calgary. But he had a great game. I thought it was an excellent game from Jacob Markstrom. I think one of the, the storylines coming out of this game is, you know, is this kind of the turning point? Like, is Jacob Markstrom back? I thought he was excellent. He made 37 saves on 30 shots and I think the most important thing to me is not only did he make the saves that he needed to um he was 13 for 13 on low danger chances as tracked by natural stat tricks so you know whatever low percentage shots he was making those saves there was no Lucy oh my god what just happened you know first goal on first shot moment from Jacob Markstrom last night the one goal against that was logged um as a high danger chance and and for me he looked quieter in his net 
which is always really important when we think of Jacob Markstrom playing his game and we think of the Jacob Markstrom from last season, right? When he has all the shutouts and he has this hot start and everyone's like, this team is legit. This is a number one goalie. I mean, he finishes second in the Vesna voting last season. The thing about Markstrom when he's clicking that way is he's very calm impatient and quiet in his net he's so big he's one of the tallest goalies in the league if not the tallest right now i haven't checked those numbers uh yet this season but he's very big and he's very positionally sound and he's very athletic so he has that combination of being able to go uh you know post to post and and fill the net and and it just sometimes feels like the puck is hitting him because he's always in the right spot he's a great puck tracker and again he's big and athletic so he's kind of this perfect combination and when he's on his game that all just translate to a really quiet and calm performance in his crease i thought he had a good game against the columbus blue jackets but i don't love i mean it's fun like the windmill saves and, and putting like a little something on it can be fun to watch but i don't always love them when we're talking about Jacob Markstrom finding his game, because again, when he's on it, he's not doing those things because he doesn't need to, because he's just in the right spot. And I thought last night was a really good example of him just looking like himself. It wasn't just the saves. It wasn't just the numbers. It was the ways that he was making the saves and the way that he just looked last night. I, I thought that was, you don't ever want to <laughs> just, we don't want to take one game and say he's back. Um, but it, it looked like a good solid Jacob Markstrom performance last night that he can build off of for, for the next couple games. Yeah, it did. I, I think that you, you nailed it as far as it goes for me with Markstrom and that's that he looked like Jacob Markstrom because I think goaltending nowadays, if you talk to guys like Kevin Woodley from in goal magazine, or you talk to a uh, LaBarbera or Sigalette here in Calgary who run the goaltending department, I think they tell you more nights than not Haley, that when you're making those, those windmill saves and everything that, they're okay in desperation, but they're generally telling you that you're not in a good position to make a save if you have to yeah. go to that to to stop the puck. In most situations, you'd like your goaltender to be square to the shooter, square to the puck, and not have to use a lot of external movement when it comes to making that save. And you're right, that's been a hallmark of Jacob Markstrom's game really since he's been to Calgary, and I'm sure for a lot of his success in Vancouver as well. And that was as close, if not exactly what Jacob Markstrom I think of uh, last night in Montreal and that's you know that calm presence that guy that's not you know running around side to side doesn't have to make all those extra moves in the net to to get where he needs to be I thought that was a really good sign for the Flames last night yeah absolutely I think you know I remember talking to Jason LaBarbera last season just off of Markstrom's really hot start to the season last year and in one of the things that he said that they worked on with Markstrom in the summer a real focal point was calming his game down and getting to getting him to a place mentally where he's not getting too high not too low and I think you know obviously with the stretch where things weren't going well and we hear from Markstrom last week you know I'm bad at hockey right now I'm terrible right now like that's a that's obviously a low point and and you want to get him like mentally physically into that space where he's looking calm cool collected in the crease and you know he's not saying I, I'm terrible at this and so maybe we've maybe we've got there I don't want to speak for Jacob Markstrom and how he's personally feeling but last night was a really good indicator of you know a building block for the future let's bring in Pat Steinberg uh, on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, because it's time for the Tuesday Pat Chat coming at you at 2 o'clock now. Instead of 1 o'clock, new time slot, same, same DJ Pat. 
Hi, Pat. How are you? What's up? I'm sitting across from Logo. I'm looking right at him right now. I'm looking into Pat's eyes as we speak. Aw. See, now I'm, I'm sad. It's okay. We're just... Is it? Are you guys happy? Always. What's, what's, Is hap- that Bono what's happening? Drinking? Yeah, what's happening? Is that Bono having yeah. a drink? <laughs> yeah. So I've been moved to like a remote studio and... I need, oh I'm so sorry, everybody. How was this microphone picking up so much sound? I thought for sure. That's a, that's that's a thirsty boy hey, right we there. We both hey. looked at each other and we're like, is that what I think that is? And we go, is that hey, Bono hey, drink? Dog, quit is. drinking. You don't need that that's right now. That's a good yet. thirsty boy. Come on, oh, oh my yay. God. Oh, my God. Fresh water? How often do you change his water, Haley? Just curious for the dog listeners out there. That's a spoiled boy. You know that what? is a, that is a spoiled filtered, boy. Filtered water. He, he is not going to be drinking from the two o'clock to three o'clock hour any longer. That is enough. <laughs> this guy is like, he just wants to be involved in everything. I swear. Like I remember one of my first hits on this radio station. It was with Pinder in the morning and Bono was just, he refused to leave the dog park. So I did a radio hit from the dog park at like six in the morning or something. And there's <laughs> these dogs started like fighting and, and he was just like, is that, is everything okay? And the text line's like, is, is there a dog fight happening right now? And I was like, oh, God, I need to go home. So anyways, Bono is the main character of the day. So I apologize to Always. everyone for that. I have a home studio, but the dog is, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. I apologize. Bono is well fed. It's a good thing he didn't start eating. Actually, that would have been really horrifying sound for the radio. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, Pat. He's, he's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves Bono. Um, Pat, we were just talking about Jacob Markstrom and, and the Flames last night. They lose two to one in a shootout to, to the Montreal Canadiens. Was there a big takeaway for you? Like, was it um, Chris Tanev? being okay obviously um that was a really scary moment he went to local hospital was cleared to fly back to calgary with the team which is obviously a good sign he's probably the worst player to lose from your lineup uh the flames are a better team with chris tanov on it but i think we can all probably agree we're just glad that he's okay as a human being um we just dug into jacob markstrom quite a bit but what was the big takeaway for you uh, last night pat well i think more than anything else is they continue to struggle so mightily to score goals. And especially it seems, I don't think there's any reason for it, but just coincidentally, when they've had their hardest time scoring, it's been when Jacob's between the pipes. I think he's, I think he's, I think they've scored four goals for him or three goals for him. I was uh, just doing some prep for the show. I think it's three goals for him in his last four starts when he's allowed yeah, he nine. He can't buy run support. <laughs> and and it's it's like, what what else are you what else are you supposed to do? And I know that everybody was down on him for the Montreal game where he only allowed two the 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 first Montreal game where there was the really bad goal twelve seconds in. But I mean he's he's certainly got his game back at a better level. His last two games have been his best back-to-back games all season long, and he's allowed three goals in them, and his team's gotten him two. They scored one Mm -hmm. against a dreadful Columbus team, and they scored one against a Montreal team that is very beatable and lost Cole Caulfield and was playing without a number of important players like Sean Monaghan and Brendan Gallagher last night. So that's, that's my biggest takeaway. They just And if you go take a look at some of their metrics right now, they're actually they're starting to become a little bit more alarming to me, and and 
And I don't think that it means that they are going to be this for the rest of the season guaranteed, but they're 29 into 82. So they got 53 games left and, you know, we're starting to move towards where the halfway mark isn't that far in front of us anymore. And they are a group that we know their shot volume is great. We know that they have the puck a lot. We know they put a lot of pucks towards the net. We know they put a lot of shots towards the net. And we also know they're very good on the other end in terms of not allowing a lot of quality opportunities or a lot of shots or shot attempts. But what is a little worrisome now is when you go dig into their five-on-five metrics and their all-strengths metrics, they are in the bottom third for high-danger chances per 60 minutes, both at five-on-five and overall they they rank 23rd in the NHL uh and they're a bottom third team when it comes to goals for per 60 minutes at both 5 on 5 and at all strengths like that's that's becoming a little worrisome when you go take a look at the other high shot volume teams they are far better at turning the amount of pucks they throw towards the net into good opportunities thrown towards the net so that that to me is is my biggest takeaway is that it was another night where they were significantly outchanced by the other team that's a Montreal team that is is not the most dangerous offensively yet they put up 22 high danger scoring chances and the Flames put up 12 now I get it that there was, what, five minutes and 40 seconds of three-man penalty killing last night for the Flames. That's going to just get you more chances on the other side. But even at even strength, they got uh, outchanced at high danger by Montreal. So that's, at least according to to natural statric. I know the Flames keep their own metrics and most teams do their own chances. But the ones that we're privy to and the ones tracked by natural statric, yeah. They they are not going Calgary's way. So that's what that's what my biggest takeaway is, is that for the second time on the road trip that was just three games, they had a lot of trouble scoring against a team that isn't or shouldn't be that hard to generate quality chances on. Right. And and I think one of the concerning things is is you know, the team has overall one of the kind of bottom six, like they're twenty five twenty fifth, Jesus, twenty fifth in the league in uh, shooting percentage at five on five right now. Um, so you could think, you know, maybe it's a little bit of bad luck. Like maybe is this just a shooting luck thing? Maybe that's just how hockey's gone for the flames through the third mark of the season. But I think when you start to look at the individual players and the individual expected goals that are being tracked by sites like natural statric and in evolving hockey specifically, guys aren't really drastically underproducing when it comes to their actual and expected goals. Usually um, when teams, are are kind of you know having some issues with luck their individual expected goals will be much higher than their actual production Um, but things are looking pretty in line I mean if you just look at guys like uh, Lindholm, Kadri, Toffoli, 10 goals. Their individual expected goals are 10.7, 10.5, 10.4. So it's not like they're wildly underproducing their actual production versus expected. Like they're kind of in, in line with what they've been generating. Yeah, they've, so they've kind of the scored concern, what right? they've generated, right? They, yeah. They've scored commensurate to what they've generated. Yeah, which is the concern, right? Like if you were to look at that and Kadri's, you know, has 15 individual expected goals, but he's only scored 10, you're like, all right, something's going crazy here. Like he's supposed to have this many, like it's he's going to figure it out. Things are things are in line right now. And that's a concern because what they are generating is what they're scoring. And right now yeah. they're not generating enough. Yep. And, and what I don't know is whether or not that is something that, is easily rectified, you know? Like, I don't know if that is something that is 
just what they are or if that's something that they can make some subtle tweaks and, and make some systemic changes, uh, systematic changes rather, and all of a sudden that gets a little bit better. And I guess the, the concern that I have, and I've brought this up a few times, is that it does not seem to matter whatever coach Daryl, whatever team Daryl Sutter coaches, the LA Kings, the Calgary Flames, whatever, they are a high shot volume, high possession team based on those those shot metrics, shot attempts, and and how much time they spend in the offensive zone based by that proxy. They are always near the top of the league. If I don't think there was a year where the Kings weren't number one under under Daryl Sutter, and the Flames mm-hmm. under Daryl have been easily top five in his tenure. So. We know that they spend a lot of time on the attack. We know that they funnel a lot of pucks towards the net. We know that is part of their offensive game plan to make their offense a little bit more unpredictable and create some chaos in the middle of the ice and and start getting some rebounds. But what has been a drop from one year to the next has been the ability to get those attempts like high volumes are awesome and lots of pucks towards the net is great, but you also want to make it so they're not the, the vast majority of them aren't coming from the perimeter. And right now that's, that's a little bit, there's just a little bit too much from the outside coming from the flames. And, and that's, that's the concerning part. Cause I don't know how easy that is to just change in the snap of a finger or, or even over the course of 53 games, which is how much time they've got left. So that that's, that's something that I'm going to be watching for. It's, it's always good to be a strong defensive team, which they are. They do a good job of limiting opportunities and attempts on their net. And they do a good job of getting a lot towards the net, but the next challenge is going to be making those attempts more dangerous. Right. And I think last night was a pretty good example of, you know, the the guys that you want to step up, leaving something to be desired. Right. I understand that the flames had a good fight in them considering they didn't have Elias Lindholm, who's a very important player. They didn't have Mackenzie Weaker, who's a very important player. Chris Tanev goes down after taking a puck to the side of the head. And I'm sure it's not easy to just recover after seeing that considering what we know his teammates feel for Chris Tanev, right? That's, that's a scary moment. Everybody loves this guy. He's a warrior, et cetera. Um, But when you're playing shorthanded, you want guys to step up and and we didn't see that based on I mean Jonathan Huberto got the power play goal in the second period that's great but we didn't really see uh, Andrew Mangiapane or a Dylan Dubé and Adam Ruzicka even a Backlund Coleman like somebody needed to step up and provide that kind of offense because sure there's three guys out of the lineup there at the halfway point of the game but this is not a Flames team that is you know (laughs) lacking in terms of guys who should be able to to kind of take the reins and say, I'm going to be the guy. I mean, you could even look at somebody like Connor Mackey. You know, he had an opportunity to step up big uh, on the blue line. And I don't want to be too harsh on a guy who played his first game after being a scratch for, what, 14 14 straight games. Um, But he comes in and he only plays 852. Um, I know he had the fight. You know, that's a a way to try to get – get things going, get some momentum for your team. He had a shot and goal, one takeaway. It's a fine game. But, I mean, Rasmus Anderson played 31 minutes last night, 31 and a half, um, because, you know, that maybe a younger guy like Mackie couldn't step up and, and take some of the reins. Maybe that's an unfair expectation, an unfair example to put on Connor Mackey, but there just wasn't the the kind of step up that the Flames needed last night in the absence of some important players, I think, in terms of, of the offense more specifically than the defense. Yep. Well, and I mean, if 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 you were to put 
a list of players together that you would not want the Flames to lose for any period of time, without question, in that top five, probably in the top two, would be Tanev and Lindholm. Um, I, I, I don't think, like, Lindholm is their number one center when it comes to all facets of the game, driving it offensively, defensively, like that. He's your number one center. And Chris Tanev is, I, is he your number one defenseman? I don't know. They kind of play Rasmus as if he, he quarterbacks the power play. He gets the most ice time. You just mentioned his career high by more than two minutes last night against Montreal when he's up over 31. Uh, but I think of all the guys that you just don't want to lose for any period of time because the drop-off or the, the effect on the team is so dramatic. Tanev's that guy, and I think we have seen it multiple times since he's been a member of the Flames. Last year in the playoffs, we saw it, and the five, six games he missed this year, we saw it. So the good news is it sounds like Chris is doing well, uh, even checking in a little bit on it today. Sounds like he's doing well. Don't know whether or not he's going to be able to go against Vancouver or not on Wednesday, but you know it doesn't sound like either him or Lindholm are, are going to be super major long-term things, so that's good news. Um, and and Uyghur was an illness, so again, don't know if any one of Lindholm, Tanev, or Uyghur ends up playing against Vancouver, but at least all of them don't seem to be tracking towards extended periods out of the lineup, but yeah, th- those are those are two big guys to miss. So I don't know if I look at last night and I say to myself, "Well, that's just another night where they don't score." But they were at full strength against Columbus. They had a uh, yeah. a, a full group against Columbus, and they had a full group against Montreal earlier this year. And so I, it's and and some of the other games where they have really struggled to score goals, they've they've had full groups. So it is mm-hmm. it is something that I am a little concerned about, and and something that there's some big areas of development going forward if they can develop in that regard. Right. Uh, what did you think, Pat, from Matthew Phillips and and um, Zahorna and their second and third games of the season last night? Um. I thought I thought Zahorna had his. I thought both guys. So Zahorna's played three, and Phillips has played two. I, I I thought both guys had their least effective game. For Matthew, it's the least effective of two, and for Zahorna, after those two really good games, I thought he was an impact maker, albeit in a small role, both Friday and Saturday against Columbus and Toronto. Thought he kind of struggled and and was he just didn't really pop or do a whole lot do a whole lot or do much of anything against Montreal. I still thought Matthew did some good things. Uh, I thought he was more effective and more noticeable in a positive way against Toronto, but I still thought he did some good things. And what I like about Phillips is that he definitely gives them a little bit more of a punch or a pop in their speed game and their rush game. Uh, Even though he was, I know he took the penalty last night, but he still helps them on zone entries, and and I think that's an area that as he gets a little bit more confident at this level and feels out this level a little bit more, I think he'll get even better at. But his zone entries, both on the second power play unit at five on five, they, they've been strong and and we're still strong against Montreal. So I on, on Phillips specifically, I'd really like to see him get a little bit more time with game action, and I know he wasn't as good against Montreal as he was against Toronto. And in both cases, he played a very 
limited role, but they've got 30 days with him on the roster, and those 30 days allow them to get him some games in before he becomes waiver eligible again. So I think he's five of 30 days on the roster down, so they've still got three and a half weeks of him on the roster before he needs to be waiver eligible. Like, give him, in in my opinion anyway, like, give him seven, eight, nine games more and see what he is. And then you have a little bit more of an idea as to what Matthew Phillips is in the NHL. And I think it's, you know, same timeline with Zahorna. And I think there's probably some, there's probably some, some wisdom in the same thought with him. See if there's, cause I think there's something there with both guys and something a little bit more than what we've seen with both guys. So see if they can bring it out in a very, it's still a limited period of time, but it's not just two or three games. So that's where I am on those guys. And, and I'm curious what the lineup looks like on Wednesday. And I think that some of the injury issues or potential injury issues might play into that because if they got to recall a defenseman, all of a sudden they might need to send a a Matthew Phillips or a Zahorna down to the American League. If they want Gilbert in the lineup, they might have to do something like that. Again, I don't know if Tanev's going to play or if Uyghur's going to play, but if they feel like they need to, if both guys are out and they feel like they need to, re- well, they would have to recall a defenseman, um, then they might have to send one of those forwards back down, which would not be merit-based, would only be necessity-based. Sure. I think I'm with you on wanting to see Matthew Phillips get a little bit more runway. I mean, he had the one game in garbage time last season and he's played under 20 minutes this season. Like, how can we really say whether or not he's an NHL player? I push back a little bit on Zahorna. Um, I know we haven't seen him a lot in Calgary, but he 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 has 28 NHL games under his belt. You know, he was up and down with the Penguins organization for a bit. It's still not a lot. Like, it's not a huge... Uh, NHL sample size, but I do think we've seen him in the NHL a little bit more. I mean, he played 17 games last season. It's still not a lot. I think you, I think you want to see him a little bit more, but I'm, I'm a bit more bullish on wanting to see what Matthew Phillips can bring at the NHL level. Certainly Um, if they were to have to send somebody down and I I would prefer them send Zahorna down because I think there's, you know, he's, there's a little bit, I think maybe a little bit closer to is what he is in terms of what he could be in the NHL. We just don't know anywhere near enough on the Phillips front. Mm -hmm. Do you um, have an ideal line for Matthew Phillips? I know it's a bit different right now with, with Lindholm not in, like obviously the lines are a little bit jumbled, but who's the, who's the ideal, you know, line mates for Matthew Phillips to see what he can truly do in the NHL. Do you throw him up in the top six? I didn't mind the idea of him playing with Backlund, uh, and I know they couldn't do that again on Monday because Backlund bumped up to play with the Huberto line with Lindholm being out. But if Lindholm's able to come back on Wednesday, um, I, I I quite like the idea of Phillips on the right with Backlund and Rizicka. They Rizicka and Phillips know each other from time in the American League. They've spent a lot of time together, so there's some some built-in familiarity there and. Michael Backlund is just we know we know what he is with players on his wing. We know that he elevates guys. We know that he has a track record of getting the most out of whoever plays on his wings. And and you know, we've seen that with multiple guys. Sam Bennett had his best ever time as a member of the Flames playing on Michael Backlund's wing. And Joe Colburn had the best ever stretch of his uh of his NHL career playing on Michael Backlund's wing and so on and so forth. And I mean Kachuk talks about how he's absolutely like criminally underrated. Like Matthew Kachuk is a big Michael Backlund guy. So I would leave him 
there because I think it, it, it leaves you with, and whether it's Rizitska there, maybe you put Coleman there, I don't know. But at least it gives you a reliable center, a veteran center with a track record of elevating guys around him. That's that's a really good spot for him to succeed. And it also puts him in a situation where, you know, we're not talking about him as, well, they need Matthew Phillips to produce now because he's playing on the top line. Like, I don't know if he's he's quite there yet. It just seems like a nice fit playing with a guy like Backlund who takes care of his line, takes care of his wingers as well as he does. Okay, so this is my last question for you, Pat. And this is something I'm going to talk to Jeff Merrick about later on in the show. He is the second guest. I'm a terrible host. I forgot to bring that up. Jeff Merrick is going to be joining the show <laughs> later in the hour. Uh, but one of the things today that came up, and this is a surprise question. I apologize. I didn't tell you this. So the NBA is renaming a bunch of their trophies, right? So we're going to get the Michael Jordan Kia yes. MVP. Is it time? This is my question of the day. Is it time for the NHL? to rename its trophies. So we'd go the Wayne Gretzky trophy instead of the Hart Memorial trophy type thing? Yeah. Yes. And whatever else you want. We can rename the Norris to the Bobby Orr trophy. We can rename the Selkie to the Bob Gainey until the Patrice you know, Bergeron. We award. keep it we keep it warm for Bergeron, you know, give it to Bob Gainey for a bit because he was the original guy see and i don't i don't know she's bergeron you I don't, don't like know. it I, it's not that i don't like it i'm like i just i i like i'm a legacy guy i'm a history now if you wanted to create a wayne gretzky award for something else i think that there is something to that i'm just right. I'm, I'm a i'm a so history like, what guy is that? and what i is think that? i i don't know i have to think about that the wayne gretzky more. award for excellence i just uh in broadcasting maybe may, i I get it because you're like they need to have an award named after Gretzky. Clearly they do, but I'm right. I think there's two reasons. A, I'm a legacy guy. I like history and and I like the so I've always been resistant to change in anything in my life. And number two, I'm a little worried about how long it'll take me to make the adjustment. Like uh, how long is it going to take? Art Selfishly. Ross was born in 1886, Pat. I think we can selfishly <laughs> i don't we i don't ever i don't ever really talk Pat, about you know what yeah. change Pat, the art rods to the wayne because gretzky. he doesn't want to have to remember a bunch of different awards exactly you just need a fancy sponsor in there like the nba ones no change the, change the, the, the art rods the kia award for michael jordan who's never driven a kia in his life well that's my the favorite wayne gretzky part is like pepsi mvp <laughs> is Connor mcdavid well, are we going to have to, you know, is the NHL going to have to now get sponsors for all the awards to have like the same effect as the NBA? So it'd be like the, yeah, it'd be the, 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 the Bob Gainey defensive player of the year. Brought to you by United Airlines. Brought to you by, yeah, like brought to you by Discover credit cards or something like Your that. Your TikTok trendiest player of the year is Trevor Zegris. Okay. I mean, aren't we trending in that direction? Like there's already ads on jerseys and helmets. And Why remember during the, the, the fifty the fifty six game season, all the divisions were named. That was a nightmare. I couldn't. I could oh not yeah, they tell did you. have sponsors. I don't remember for what they were though. What was the Canadian? No. One? I don't remember because I would just call the it the Scotia Canadian. Bank. I think that's right. The Scotia Bank North Division. I think so. I, there was like a Honda. Some, anyways, that was a nightmare for me. I just called it the Canadian Division. Yeah, and yeah. all the other ones. And that's what. That's why I'm like, if you were to change, this is no disrespect to Art Ross, who seems like he was a great guy, uh, but 
I never really use the term. I don't really. I just talk about the NHL's leading scorer. I don't usually talk about well, right. he's leading the Art Ross Trophy race, or well, Connor McDavid, the Art Ross. Tro- I, that's one that I don't really use all that often. I just say, oh yeah, yeah Connor McDavid point. led the league in scoring last year again. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one that uh, no uh, the one that I Art. struggle with. Yeah, of course. Or, uh, except remember side. with the Jack Adams, how we asked Daryl last year about it, and he was like, you know, Jack Adams was kind of like a, I'm not even going to say because I don't want to have bad language on the radio, but Daryl Sutter was not, Daryl Sutter said Jack that Adams wasn't very nice. Uh, so that's, always, I guess that's the trick with this one. I, I do, I do agree a bit with you, Pat, though, because I think there's a bit of like a mystique to these awards. Like it, it piques your curiosity, right? It's like, oh, well, who was Art Ross? Like, let me, let me look into Frank J. Selkie. I don't know how many people are doing that, but I can understand the kind of allure of, of the kind of history. I guess I but wouldn't I think have you a would strong just be opinion. getting more people to look into Bob Gainey, you know? I, I would, I, I'm all for keeping them the same. That's how I lean, keep them the same. But if they were to change him, I'm I'm not going to be screaming from mountaintops about the disgrace or the the right. disrespect to the. But I like them the way they are. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to Jeff Merrick. Maybe he has a better answer. Thanks, Pat. He does. He definitely does. I already saw him on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Thanks, Pat. There Bye, goes uh, Pat Steinberg on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. That was the Tuesday Pat chat brought to you. By Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Jeff Merrick. Uh, we're going to get into the Board of Governors meetings. Those wrapped up a couple takeaways there, including maybe an update that we don't really want to hear about the salary cap. Uh, and, and we're going to talk to Jeff about NHL awards. Should we be renaming these trophies? In the meantime, the text line is open 960-960. Let me know. Is it time to rename NHL trophies? Do you have one in mind? Do you have a new trophy that you want to create? That's my jam. That's what I'm going to talk about at the end here. We're going to have a little bit of time after we talk to Jeff. And I, and I oh God, text line the Pat Steinberg Award to the player that skips the most leg days. I hope Pat is still in studio and just heard that. Anyways, we're going to go to break. Coming up next on Hockey Central 960, we'll talk to Jeff Merrick and get more into NHL trophies. That's coming up next on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the show. Thanks again to Pat Steinberg for coming on for the Tuesday Pat Chat with uh, DJ Powerplay. I will never let that die. It's my favorite nickname. It was the uh, greatest thing that happened to me while living in Calgary for a number of years is finding out that Pat Steinberg used to DJ like birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, whatever else it may be. We're going to go back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, though. Uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Merrick. He's the host of the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sports at Radio Network, host of 32 Thoughts the Podcast, on Hockey Night in Canada, among many, many other things on Sportsnet. Jeff, how are you today? I used to dig graves. It's not as cool as working as a DJ, but I worked at a cemetery for five years. Is that right? Um, no. no. I mean, I, pre- <laughs> I prefer I prefer DJ Power Play, but that's a, I didn't know that about you, Jeff. I Call used this, uh, to be, be an in arena host. You know, burying, we all do different burying things. My, burying my career with Jeff Merrick. That can be your, your segment with me here from the uh, uh, the former sexton at Parkland Cemetery. Uh, you were, yes. and that's where I met you. You were an in arena host, and I thought of you on Sunday. So you yep. used to be an in arena host at the Oshawa Generals games, and I took my family. 
and a number of my uh, one of my son's uh, hockey team uh, hockey teammates um, to the annual teddy bear toss game, and it was wonderful as always. Nothing close. I got the uh, the caveat here is nothing close to what the hitmen did. I think the hitmen the re- most recent was at twenty five or thirty thousand bears. Like the Western mm-hmm. Hockey League takes teddy bear toss to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. Um, in Oshawa, I think it was 3,700, which is still good awesome. and still fun. And uh, moments before I hopped on with you here, uh, I just saw the news that the Oshawa Generals defenseman, Leighton Moore, who scored the teddy bear toss goal, who was like throwing up an hour before the game, uh, <laughs> just got traded to the Kitchener Rangers. So quite ah. the week, he scores the teddy bear goal and he gets traded to the Kitchener Rangers all in the span of 72 hours. So quite the week for Leighton Moore. Yeah, holy. Well, yeah, I can I can say that as a in arena host, as a game day operation person, the teddy bear toss days are very fulfilling yeah. but very stressful uh, because things just go wild. Um, if like it, just imagine being the game operations people, and it's like five yeah. minutes left in the third period, and it's a zero zero hockey game or something. And you're like, oh my god, and everyone has these teddy yeah. bears. We're gonna have to yeah. clean all this up, and it just it, it's not as fun because the game just so, ends. It's like, okay, everyone, throw your teddy bears, and it's like, ugh. That, that happened to us that, once in I, Oshawa. That oh really? So that that I believe. I mean, well, I, we, I think it was like Jack Studnika scored with like four minutes left in the game or something, and it was so much fun, but it was chaotic and very stressful. <laughs> I think that one, and this is available. You can see this on YouTube. This is, I want to say, like 15 years ago. There was a Portland Winterhawks Vancouver Giants game that was like that was deadlocked at zero zero going into overtime. And thankfully, it was the the yeah, it was the home team that scored. Or else, what do you? Because that's what my kids were asking on the way. Like, well, what do we do if the Generals don't <laughs> score a goal? Like yeah. what do we do? Do we just like just throw put them the bears in a box on the way out or something? Like, like as as the in arena host, are you are you told to like instruct the crowd? Like it's kind of a downer. Like okay, folks. So if your home team doesn't score, uh, just throw your bears at the end. Like what are you told to do, Haley? I don't remember. I think it was definitely our PA announcer who kind of had the the groundwork. But I remember people asking like, what do we do? And I think our contingency plan was that you would just throw them at the end of the game. But yeah, That's if you like thought, lose yeah. the game in overtime or something, it's like Oof. the team's leaving the ice. <laughs> like, oh, here's the teddy well, bears, like, here they the, come. The, you the just other... lost the game. Yeah, thanks everybody. Throw your bears. Yeah. So happy, happy. Yeah. So, because yeah. uh, as uh, as an in arena host, so I was, again, like I was thinking about you a lot because this is where you and I first <laughs> met, yep. was at the, uh, the Tributes Community Center. And as the bears are hitting the ice and the delay is about, what, 20 minutes while they clean up all the bears and, you know, the kids are posing with the bears on the ice and it's all yeah. fun. The arena host has to kind of like keep people clean going and clean them up as well. <laughs> and she's got the stick and she's talking. I'm like, that's a, that's a challenging tap dance. Like oh, there's yeah. a lot of, uns, there's a lot of unsung people around hockey that never, you know, get a chance to, to get on stage and, and take their bows. But uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I respect the arena host. And the teddy bear toss game is always one of the more challenging dates. So to you, Haley, on behalf of hockey fans everywhere in your former capacity, we thank you. No, thank you. I, uh, there, it makes me laugh because there is one person and I swear. So I, you know, I work for the Oshawa generals. They've got a big rivalry with, um, the Peterborough Pete's and I swear, like if I were to dig in a little deeper, this guy's probably a Pete's fan. 
but there's this one person who has followed me for my entire career just to make fun of me and say, go back to Oshawa. Like, you don't know what you're oh, doing. Wow. Like, you suck at your job. And it's probably, it's my favorite <laughs> thing though. Cause it's like, why are you saying this? Like, it's an insult. I had a really good time. I, I loved my time in Oshawa. I had a lot of fun. Why this guy just makes fun of me my for years about being the in arena host for the Oshawa Generals. It's probably just a angry Peterborough Pete's fan. And he, and he hates listen, me, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> I, I always wonder, I always want to say to these people, because listen, we all get it. Like, this is the nature of the business. And I, my motto is, you know, everybody gets a couple of free shots. And that's fine. I've decided to stick my head up above a crowd. I should expect at least, you know, one or two people will want to throw a rock. But I always wonder, I always want to say back to them, like, like do you get this, uh, like, do you get this angry when you vote? Like when things like can really affect your life, like do you get really, yeah. do you get this emotional when like you're deciding who's going to lead you, either you know municipally, provincially, or federally? Do you get that upset, or do you just <laughs> save it for some perceived slight from a yeah. hockey broadcaster? <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Team from a hockey broadcaster. Yeah, I wasn't a ready-made 18-year-old radio host. I do apologize, sir. It's fine. Uh, but the teddy bear toss is great. We got a, a note in the text line. This past Friday was the teddy bear toss and red deer, and the first two goals were called back. All the bears were tossed before oh. the first goal that actually counted. No. Oh, that's brutal. No, that's, that's devastating. Oh, man. And that's a great rank. I love like, I was in uh, uh, when we still had the junior hockey package at Rogers. Uh, that was one of my favorite Memorial Cups. That was uh, London Knights won that. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Dvorak, Kachuk, and Marner, and yeah, I, I loved... covered that. That was my first yeah. ever assignment. Uh, was it? It was great. Mm-hmm. Great spot. For the, eh? I worked for the London Free Press that year. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so that was my first That's ever a sports assignment. Great rink, and I was working with Colby Armstrong. So, what do you think the first thing Colby did when we went in there? Mm-hmm. We would have gone in there on the Tuesday before the, the Friday start. What do you think the first thing he took me to was? <sighs> was there like a local bar? No, his banner <laughs> with his name hanging. Oh, the ring, okay. Right yeah, away. he had to show off. <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds Sorry, about right. Man. Captain Red Deer, Colby Armstrong. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. It's a bit more. Some local bar. Bit more appropriate. Billy, Billy, yeah. Sorry, Billy Colby. Bob's. Billy Bob's is the name of the place where everyone hung out there. Okay. The Amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today, Jeff, other than the fact that you love to talk about the teddy bear toss and you have an encyclopedic do. knowledge of, of things that happen in this sport, uh, there was the Board of Governors meetings today. Yep. A couple, couple notes out of that one, um, specifically when it comes to the salary cap. Looks like we're going to need to be cheering for the Leafs or the Bruins or the Golden Knights to, to make a pretty big run in the playoffs to, to help with the escrow yeah. payments. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially what the, I mean, the commissioner had sort of chummed the waters of some positivity not that long ago where he sort of mused about, you know, maybe the salary cap goes up three to four million dollars. And I think every general manager around the NHL kind of went, oof, I could use that release valve right now. We could use that extra room to wiggle, uh, sign a player, re-sign some players, etc., um, and then over the past couple of days, you know, the whispers turned into the statement, which is, you know, right now we're probably looking at only a $1 million bump, sad trombone, wah, wah, wah. Um, not good for players, not good for teams, not no. good for fans that like movement in the NHL. You know, there has been, I mean, everything is a negotiation, Haley. So it, mm-hmm. what we're probably looking at right now is a bump of like from $1 million next year to $4 million maybe to five. And there are certainly a lot of agents 
and I would imagine some general managers as well, um, who are more interested in flattening that out and doing like three million this year, three million next year, three million the following season, just to make it just just so there's a that that release. And I keep coming back to this metaphor of the release valve, but that's what it feels like. Just some cap relief for a lot of these teams and. Right now, like, let's not forget, you know, right now the National Hockey League Players Association is going through a search for a new executive director. So maybe this is a time where the Players Association is vulnerable. And if the PA wants more money in the system, this could be a negotiation and the NHL could get a cookie out of all of this. Haley, do you think I'm too conspiratorially minded? But that's the way my brain works on this one. Maybe this is... This is the end. I mean, listen, because the one thing that we know about Gary Bettman specifically is he's very shrewd. You may not like him, but generally speaking, he's the smartest person in every room that he's in. And I look at this and say, I wonder if this is Gary seizing on a moment where the NHLPA, you know, is nearing its conclusion for a new executive director and maybe looking to, you know, win a negotiation before the new executive director is installed. But Nonetheless, you're right. Like if if you're a player and you want more room uh, to sign in this off season, uh, it's going to take the big money teams going deep in the into the playoffs. So you're right. Vegas, Toronto, uh, the Boston Bruins. I'll throw the New York Rangers into that mix as well. That's a cash box right there. You know, like I've always said this, Haley. Like if you're a if you're an NHL player and you're concerned about escrow, and why wouldn't you be? You want teams like Toronto, like New York, like. Boston, Philadelphia, Vegas, listen, Seattle's become a big earner as well. These types of teams to go deep, deep, deep into the playoffs because that means a bigger revenue pool that everybody, everybody is drawing from and reduces your, uh, your escrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, what do you think Gary Bettman thinks of the NBA's decision to rename its trophies? Is he looking at that and being like, oh, God, I'm going to be asked about this tomorrow? <laughs> and how does that differ between the yeah. way that you think about it? Because I think it's a really fun conversation. And I personally, looking at some of the options, like I I think it's time to, to rename some of them. I think it could be fun. I understand the mystique of, yeah. of the history and having people go, oh, I wonder, you know, who's Frank J. Selke? And, you know, looking into that. But, yeah. you know, I think we could move some of these into, into this kind of new era. What do you think? For me, it's... Um... It's it's a combination of things, and I don't think it should be changed just for the sake of change. Because I I do believe that you know as much as I believe that you know tradition is just peer pressure from dead people, I do think that there is a value <laughs> in having historical names attached sure. um, attached to a lot of these trophies. But you know, I the one touchstone for me is you know when Gary Bettman spoke about Herb Carnegie as passionately and compassionately as he did. Um, at the Hall of Fame uh, before Herb was, uh, as Herb was going in, I, I always want to say the whole family went in because the whole Carnegie, it felt like this was a victory for the entire Carnegie family. Mm-hmm. You know, hearing Gary Bettman talk about, you know, how he was, you know, denied entry into the NHL and this is an injustice. And these are all the right notes. And he, he struck all the right, you know, all the, the right timber, the right tone, all of it. Like, it was a great performance by the commissioner. And those are the words. Now, what are the actions? Um, you know, at that moment, it became really uncomfortable, I think, for the NHL to move forward and still hand out the Conn Smythe trophy. You know, Conn Smythe was, you know, the manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the owner of the Maple Leafs, who said that, you know, I'd pay, I'd pay any man $10,000 to turn Herb Carnegie white. 
translation, there wasn't going to be a black man playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. That's disgusting. And this isn't a secret. We've known about this story for a number of years, for a number of decades. Nothing's been done, but now it's been acknowledged. It's been acknowledged by the NHL. And I would find it really uncomfortable if I was someone, you know, if I was, if I was someone receiving that award after the NHL has now officially, you know, and the, the commissioner has, you know, uh, officially gone on record and talked about what an injustice it was that Herb Carnegie couldn't play in the NHL because the next step is, okay, why could he not play in the NHL? And all fingers, all fingers point to Conn Smythe. It's right. a very uncomfortable conversation. But what does Kim Davis always talk about? We need to have uncomfortable conversations. And to me, that's a really obvious one. Now, mm-hmm. some of the other awards, um, I think Art Ross is someone that should, whose name should still be attached to something very public in the NHL. Art Ross was one of the great innovators of the game. You know, look at the puck we use now. All roads lead back to Art Ross. Look at the nets that we use now. All roads back lead. All roads lead back to Art Ross. Art Ross in 1926 or 27 hosted you know, really what was you know the the first version of the Shanahan Summit. Goal scoring was down. Too many scoreless ties. Not enough offense in the league. He was the guy that put together the first summit to try to juice offense and increase goal scoring in the NHL. Haley, does this sound familiar at all to you? <laughs> Art Ross was the first. And I think that Art Ross, along with the Patrick family, were, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, well, one family and one person, you know, some of the greatest innovators the game has ever seen. So I think mm-hmm. it needs to be attached to something. But considering Art Ross himself only played three NHL games and scored one goal and had one point, I think maybe that's not the right name attached to the player who gets the most points at the end of a season. All I'm saying is the NBA doing what they've done with their trophies today at least is a a jumping off point or a launch point to at least start to have conversations like this. I think it's good every now and then to look back and say, does this fit? Does this belong? Does this feel right? And should we update it? And I'm saying update everything, not saying, you know, completely change all of it, but maybe there's a couple that could use a couple of tweaks, and one is really obvious, and that's the Smythe Trophy. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a good point. I think uh, there was a, a really good debate between myself and my colleague, Sean Gentilly, and we have a story coming up on The Athletic kind of debating, like, what could some of these new names be? And I think the Art Ross was a tricky one because you would think that it would go to somebody like Mario Lemieux if we assume that the MVP award's going to be the Gretzky. And we we look at, you know, you want to have maybe something with Gordy Howe and you want to have Mario Lemieux in there. Uh, it makes more sense. Jean Beliveau, oh, Jean Beliveau, Jean much? Beliveau, Jean Beliveau, Jean Beliveau, Jean Something has to be there for Jean Beliveau. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we had him in there. So you'll have to, okay, good. I don't okay, want to good. spoil the whole thing. But that was a, that was a big debate with the Art Ross and, and Sean is from Pittsburgh. And, and I think he was, you know, physically ill over the debate between <laughs> it being Gordie Howe and Mario Lemieux for the Art Ross. Like this guy scored like 100 points and he, you know, had cancer. It, just, it doesn't make, it needs to be Mario Lemieux. And, and I'm with him, obviously, Mario Lemieux was an excellent player and he went through a lot. But that was, a, that was a big debate, and I think it's a good thing that there's so many great players that could be, you know, yeah. having awards named after them in this league and, and obviously some guys who are still playing. But, uh, Jeff, that's all yeah. the time I have today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
I always love talking hockey and really love talking teddy bear toss with you. So anytime, <laughs> Haley, anytime. Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Jeff. There You're goes. Welcome. Thank you. There goes Jeff Merrick on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. That's all the time we have today on Hockey Central Sports at 960. I will be back tomorrow. It's a Flames game day. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll tee that up on uh, Sports at 960 The Fan.